0: Luke chapter two, starting in verse one. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Just stop real right here for a second. You know, I I love that and appreciate that, that Luke grounds this story in the greater human history. Feels like writing in our context, he might say something like this, you know, during the the second term of the presidency of Bill Clinton. See, it just kind of gives the people that were reading this some context. It gives us some context. I appreciate this because, you know, the story, the arrival, the coming of Jesus is, it's not just some made up story. It happened. You can go back and you can look at it in the history books. I love that that Luke says, you know, when when Augustus issued a census of the entire world and when Quirinius, this leader, was also reigning with him. And I think this detail is important for us because a lot of times we might feel like when we come into a place of worship, when we open up the scripture, we might feel like we have to, to turn off our brains. We might have to turn off our minds and our intelligence to so that we can make sense of the stories that we read in scripture. Yet here in in the book of Luke, what I love is, is Luke, the guy that's writing this, he's this very educated, this brilliant doctor. And he's writing this and he says, guys, let me tell you about what happened so you can see, so that you can know. And I love that he grounds this story in the greater human history. Let's keep going in verse three. It says, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And I want us to to see the humanity in this. I want us to feel this. I want the realness of this story to kind of wash over us. I go, can you imagine how frustrated Mary must have been with Caesar? Girls, can you imagine being late in your third trimester and you have to make a road trip to your in-laws' house for a family reunion? Seriously, like, think about that. That's, That's what's going on here. Like in your last few weeks of, of pregnancy, do you want to ride on a donkey for 90 miles? Have any of you guys ever re- ridden a donkey? Have you ever ridden a horse before? Raise your hand if you've ridden a horse. There's nothing comfortable about riding a horse. You get off and your butt hurts for like several days. And can you imagine being late in your pregnancy, riding a donkey, 90 miles, spending time with, your husband's cousins and his weird uncle and that nephew and just his family. Can you imagine this? Girls, can you imagine what it would have been like to to go into labor? You realize that your, your midwife isn't there? Your mom's not there? Can you imagine that that this birth thing is not going down the way, it's not following your birth plan. Like, it's not the way you wanted this to happen. Can you imagine, like, you're about to give birth in a barn and your husband is a delivery doctor? Guys, can you imagine? Like, you got a part to play this day. This baby's coming in the world, you're taking snap. Like, you're playing QB this day. Like. You're bringing this baby into the world, whether you like it or not. And, and, and I was thinking about, we, we read the story of Jesus. And so often we think about this like myth, this fairy tale. And I want you to feel the realness of the story. The fear, the anxiousness in Joseph, the, the fear, the disappointment in Mary, knowing that, that this is not unfolding the way that she probably wanted it to go down. And what I love is that This is how Jesus, this is how the son of God came into the world. He wasn't born to to Caesar in some palace. The son of God wasn't born into this world to some family of noble and regal status. He entered our world. He entered our stories in a barn as a baby. You ever held a newborn baby before? They're sweet. Sometimes they're beautiful. Sometimes they look more like aliens. Like you never know what you're getting. Like babies are helpless for a really long time, aren't they? And I love that this is how Jesus came in humble circumstances to normal people that the creator of you and me, the one who, who thought of, of everything in this world, humbled himself and became a baby so that he could experience what it was like to, to need others for a while. Newborns can't feed themselves, they can't change themselves. And I love the humbleness in which Christ entered our story in which God came into this world. I go, could you imagine the the joy in Mary and Joseph's heart? Holding their baby, holding the, the son of God. You can go back and you can read Luke chapter one. If you want to today to kind of get some of the backstory of what was going on, all the things that Mary and Joseph had seen and experienced from God over the past 10 months leading up to this moment, and can you imagine the joy in their heart knowing that that God had chosen them to be a part of what God was going to do in this world, that God had chosen them to to behold, to to see, to know, to, to be in the presence of God Most High. Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, for today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, of the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is where we're going to stop today. We're going to pick back up here next week. Um, this is where I want us to spend the rest of our time this morning in these seven verses. All week as I was kind of preparing and trying to think about today and what we'd be looking at and talking about, I realized that, that I tried to make this story way too complicated. And trying to figure out how to teach this story, how to make sense of it, I realized that it was just becoming more cloudy in my head and in my heart. And, and driving in this morning, I was just kind of praying and asking God, just help me just remove the fog, remove the fog, remove the clarity. Help me to, to know what it is that you're trying to teach us in this story. And, and I think God was, was showing me this, that this, the Christmas story is this great declaration that God has done something through Jesus for the entire world. The Christmas story is this great declaration that God has done something through Jesus for the entire world, that God has given to us Jesus, this free and undeserved gift. And just like any other gift, in order for Christ to be enjoyed, Christ must first be received. And I want us to just kind of unpack those sentences and kind of think about what that means for us. And so I want us to to think about this first idea that that God in the Christmas story has done something through Jesus for the world. Look at verse 10 and 11. It says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for, for who? You can say it, you can talk in church, For who? Some of the people? Really good church people? Nice people? People who read and pray? People who seek God? No, what does the scripture say? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a what has been born? A savior savior has been born to you i want us to think about this for a minute guys what did god do for us in the christmas story he sent a savior and when a savior shows up it's only good news let's pull this into our context into our world a little bit to help me help us understand how this is true and so you know back in 2010 on my birthday um August 5th, um, there were 33 uh, Chilean miners that had been trapped underground for 69 days. You guys remember this? That a mine had collapsed and 33 people spent over two months underground. 17 days passed without any communication from the miners to the the people who were in charge. Project. Project. After 17 days, contact was finally made. The emergency officials realized that that the people were alive, yet they were in great danger. It's just this powerful story of the emergency officials just started drilling, just started digging 2,000 feet into the core of the earth because they knew at the, the, the bottom of this hole there were people needing to be rescued. I read this this morning that that they said that a billion people saw and celebrated the day that these 33 people were rescued. A billion people all over the globe. And you see these people coming out of the mines. you know, where, where they thought that there was no hope, they thought it was over, they thought that there was no chance that someone would notice them and rescue them and they're walking out and their just faces are of what? Of triumph and thankfulness and joy that someone had come to save them. And when we saw that as the world, we didn't go, crap, I wish they would have died, right? No, I, I, I bet that, that there were tears flowing down your faces. And you see these people who were coming out and you're going, man, someone's dad. Like there is a father over in Chile right now and his day just got drastically better because his little girl just got rescued. People needed to be saved. And when help came, when a savior came for them, the world couldn't help but celebrate. And I love in the story in Luke chapter two, it, the father, God, the eternal omnipotent one says, a savior has been born to you. A savior has come. None of us can manage our own morality. Cyrus, how many days in a row have you gone without sinning? 700, 800, zero. Carly, how many days in a row have you gone without sinning? Are you on like 4,000 now? Drew, how many days in a row have you gone without, without messing up? You see, we come into this place and for those of us who, who follow Jesus, like none of us can manage our morality. We want to do better. We want to be obedient. We want to be faithful. And yet the reality is that the harder we try, the more we seem to stumble. We can't undo our sin, our past. Man, I wish I could go back and just redo like ages 11 to right now. (laughs) Oh, the, the stuff I did, the things I said, the people I hurt. Oh. We can't fix our brokenness. We can't fix our own heartache. We can't fix our own pain. We can't save ourselves. At best, we can oppress and suppress and ignore the things that we've done. But God has taken notice from on high. And he has heard the cries, maybe not even of our mouths, but of our hearts, of our lives. He's seen our situation. And since the day that you and I have been born, God has been like the emergency official standing on top, just trying to get a hold, trying to get a hold of us, trying to get our attention, trying to help us see. And God sent his son, Jesus. He sent his beloved son, Jesus. Steve Joe, you sent Brock for the world. like your son and the Christmas story beyond Santa and Rudolph and good Christmas music and Christmas trees. The Christmas story is this great announcement, this great declaration that a savior has been born. A savior has been given to us or another way of saying it is like this, that salvation has come to you. Salvation has come to me. Salvation has been put in our hands. Like a gift. Jesus has come to this earth to deliver us, not to oppress us. Jesus has come to do what none of us can do for ourselves, what none of us can do for each other. I can't do this for you as your preacher. Andrew can't do this for you as a pastor. Your house church leader can't do this for you. Your spouse can't do this for you. We cannot save ourselves and Christ has come to deliver us for all of our sins. To heal all that is broken, both in us and in our world. And the Christmas story is this great declaration that that God has done something for us. Salvation, right standing with God, having peace with God is is not something that you and I work for. And it's not something we earn like an Eagle Scout badge. And it's not something that we struggle for. And then once we've been good enough, successful enough, once we know enough or tried hard enough, then we get salvation. No, salvation, namely Jesus Christ, is God's free and undeserved gift to all of us. And just like Mary and Joseph, just imagine this, sitting in a barn on the dirt floor. They knew they had done nothing to deserve the gift of of getting to behold Jesus getting to be included in God's work in the world that would extend so far above and beyond them. Just like them, you and I, for those of us who follow Jesus, man, we understand that we have done nothing to deserve this. We've done nothing to bring about salvation. See, the Christmas story is first and foremost about what God has done for us. This declaration that a gift has been given. I love verse 14, the angels show up and it literally says, a host, and this means thousands upon thousands of angels. And can you just imagine what this would have been like? One of my good friends, Jonathan Valentine, he used to be a part of our church. He lives up in the Northeast right now, but I remember um, he went over to the Middle East several years ago and he said uh, one of the things that they did is they went to Jerusalem and to Bethlehem and he said it was so neat because um, he said we, 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 they, we, they met shepherds who were in the family line who were their, their grandfathers and their great grandfathers and, and the family line were these people who were in the field. And he said, it's amazing that the faith and the stories and the richness of what God has been doing for thousands of years. That so often in America, we just read this and we go, oh, cool. Some, you know, was it a figment of their imagination? No, the angel showed up. They they tore the heavens open and they said, glory to God in the highest. This is what was getting me this week. I think there's so much significance to what these angels were saying. They have this different perspective of God than, than we do. You know, we read this and we go, cool, we should make that into a song. We should figure out how we can, you know, make that into a print and sell it on Etsy. But I want us to think about the the significance of what was being said here. These angels show up and they help put it in perspective for us, what we might otherwise miss. Have you ever had someone who who has come along beside you and just kind of has shed a little bit more light, has explained something to you? Let me give you an example. I remember the very first Christmas that Courtney had spent with my family. Courtney's my wife and we went home to Murray. We were over at my granddaddy Freed's house and um, his Christmas gift was pulling out envelopes from his coat pocket, you know? And so he just kind of went around and he gave us envelopes and, and I remember opening up and just being like, wow, like seeing what he gave give me, give me some cash and I'm like, this is awesome. Thanks granddad and, and I remember Court was sitting right beside me and she opened hers and uh, I'm pretty sure she got the same amount that I did. we have been dating for four months. (laughs) And, you know, Courtney opened it. She's like, oh, that's very nice of him. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, he just gave you what he gave me. I've been his grandson for 20 years. (laughs) Like, she's like, wow, he loves me as much as he loves you. I'm like, damn. (laughs) But these angels show up and they say, glory to God in the highest. Guys, think about that. Just the world that we live in, the sadness. You know, the division, the hatred, the brokenness, the hard-heartedness, the wickedness, the mess in our world, the mess in us, the mess that that you and I have helped cause. And I love this because the angels show up and they say glory to God in the highest. So why do they say that? Because they understand something that we don't. They understand just how significant it was that Christ has come into the world. They understood that that God in this beautiful life-changing moment that that God did not give up on us. Drew, you think about just the the mess in your own life. Alyssa, Wesley, think about the mess in your life. Austin, think about the mess in your life. Nick, think about the mess in your life. Think about the sin. Think about the things that you've done, John. Think about your life, Jason. Think about the the, the wreck that that we just are as humanity, the way that we hurt people and the things that we have done. And, And do you want to know how God has responded to us? He didn't just send lightning bolts from heaven and he didn't just say, I'm done with you. No, he came into the world to fix us, to save us. He is a great rescuer. You know, God on high, the the perfect, the holy one, he could just look at us and go, man, I see the way you keep treating your wife, Brandon. I see the way that you keep getting angry with your kids. I see the way that you keep being full of pride and arrogance. I'm done with you, but that's not what Christ has done. He enters our world to save us, to fix us. You know, this summer I'm trying to learn how to build some things with wood. I just have this desire to to start building things with my hands and so uh, I was gonna build this wooden frame to go around our uh, mirror in our bathroom and um, I made the frame and I brought it up there and I held it and it was like off and ugly and so I just took it downstairs to the garage and just tore it apart and threw it away. Went back to Lowe's, bought some more wood. (laughs) That's not what God has done with us. Though we've messed up, we're we're the first frame that, that didn't turn out how we wanted, and yet God comes in and says, let me fix it. Let me make something beautiful out of the mess. Let me show you what I intended for you all along. And the angels show up and they say, glory to God in the highest. The angels who are the armies of God, the servants of God, who dwell in his presence, the one that every single one of us will see one day, even though we have no concept, most of us, what an angel even looks like and does. We will see them one day when we are with our father, when we are with Christ in heaven. And the angels show up and they say, praise you, God. There's no one as weighty. There's no one as significant as you, God. And peace on earth to those on whom your favor rests. Guys, this is the gift that God has given to us. Jesus. Jesus, our salvation. Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, who has come to save us. And to lead, us, Jesus who has come to love us and to guide us, Jesus who is alive and real and near to us. But this is the way that every gift works. Gifts aren't fully enjoyed until they are received and brought into your life, right? You get a pair of shoes for Christmas and um, none of us, like you don't get get a pair of shoes for Christmas and open the box and, and say, awesome, thank you, and then put them back in the box, right? Unless you hate the shoes, then you do that, no, you, you see them and you, and you put them on and you wear them and you bring them into your life. It's kind of a cheesy analogy, but, but, but I was thinking that, man, there are two reasons why we, we miss the joy of the good news of Jesus. He says that, that Christ has come and this is good news for all people. And I'm going, that's not true in our, in our, in our world. Why are people not full of joy experiencing the good news? I think it's two reasons. The first is that we, many of us, we, we don't receive him. We don't let Christ save us. We have not let Jesus forgive us and heal us of all of our sin and all of our brokenness and all of our rebellion. We have not let Jesus come in and do what he has come to do, cover us, save us. Many of us, we've never learned to accept the grace of God to cover over our sin. You know, Psalm 103, I love this verse. I think it's in verse 13, it might be verse 14. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. You know, my confession is this morning, I was in the office, kind of going over my notes and praying, and I just was a, a, a terrible human being yesterday to my family. Very selfish, very angry, wasn't serving my wife, wasn't serving my kids, very just selfish. And I came in this morning going, man, how can I stand up and preach to a bunch of people? Like, when I've not been living the life I wanna live, and it was like God was helping me understand, Brandon, this is still for you, that, that you still need to be forgiven. You still need to receive forgiveness and grace. And I'm going, yes, that's right. Because this is the starting block. When we understand that that Christ has come to save us, to forgive us all our rebellion, of all our sin, that's when joy and gratitude and this desire to walk with God starts to take place of the shame and the sinfulness and the resentment. And many of us, we've not received him yet. The second reason I believe that uh, it hasn't become joyful, good news for all, is that um, for many, maybe you've received him as savior, but many of us treat Jesus like a pair of shoes that we receive, and we put right back into the box. And we never let him into our real lives to be the Lord. I'll tell one more story, and then kind wrap things up this morning. I was on, uh, last week, I was, uh, saw on Facebook some friends of mine just adopted some children is this really neat picture of them with the judge and their children standing there in the courtroom. And I just was kinda of thinking about the, the past couple years with this family and kinda of leading up to this moment. You know, there was this, this moment in the courtroom where, where the judge had declared that from this point forward, these kids would be related. They would take the name of this mother and this father. Think about all the fees, all the, the process that this family went through to to bring these kids into their lives, all the money that was paid, all the home studies that took place, the papers had been signed. And I was just thinking about my two friends, just these amazing people. And I go, man, they, they are ready to love these kids, to provide for them, to serve them, to raise them. They were ready to pay for their college to give them away at their wedding one day, to to be at the hospital the day that their grandbabies are born and to hold them. They are ready to, to give them their inheritance. They are in this thing for life as their parents, but the one thing the parents can't do is make them receive it. That in order for these kids who had just been adopted into this family, in order for them to receive all the blessings, they must receive what has been done for them. And let their lives be shaped every day by what their parents have done. They're going to have to learn to embrace calling them mom and dad. They're going to have to embrace learning to trust that there will be someone to pick them up from soccer practice. Someone to come home and to help them with their homework. Someone who will be there to, to, to comfort them when they get a broken heart because a girl broke up with them that these kids are gonna have to choose to receive what's been done for them and to let their real lives be shaped by that, to embrace their new name, to embrace their their new role in the family, to embrace their new role with the mother and the father. For those of you this morning who don't follow Jesus, who aren't followers of him, I hope you know how wanted and welcome you are here. I want to just invite you over the the next week, over the next couple weeks to to think about this question. You don't have to write this down, but um, to think about this question, you know, what are the moments and who are the people in your life that have been pointing you to Jesus? You know, verse eight, we read that and we go, man, if if angel showed up to me working the night shift as a nurse or whatever, it's like if angel showed up to me and and said, Hey, Christ is here. I would never doubt again, right? Aren't majority of us in that same boat? Like if we had something significant like this happen, I just want you to know that, that our God, he is so creative and so wonderful. And God doesn't send his angels to every person in the Bible to point them to Jesus. It's not my story. You know, that's not how I became a follower of Jesus. But I want you to think about this. Who are the people in your life? What are the moments that have pointed you to Jesus? And I hope that you see that for some of you, it's, it's not been this like supernatural moment where the heavens were tore open and angels appeared to you. No, for some of you, it's, it looks like your parents who took you to worship every Sunday And you're not just a product of the environment that you grew out of. No, that it's not just a coincidence that that God was using your parents to point you to Jesus. For some of you, it's not a coincidence that that you moved to Nashville and you went to this school and, and you're not a believer, but your roommate was and your roommate is. It's not a coincidence that you walk in the room and you see them praying and reading the scriptures. It's not a coincidence that for some of you, the, the person that comes into the restaurant that you work at is a believer and they tip well. It's not a coincidence that the client that you work with at work happens to be this rock solid follower of Jesus. Because he, I, I came across this verse this week in Second Samuel where it says that, that God devises ways so that those who are banished from him will be so no more that God in heaven devises ways so that those who are banished from him will be so no more. And I hope I see that if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to think about the ways in which God has been pursuing your heart, trying to gain your faith, trying to gain your friendship, trying to gain your trust. Jesus Christ is real and he is good. And the invitation for you is to receive from God, Jesus, as both your Savior and your Lord. And here in just a minute, guys and girls are gonna get back up and they're gonna lead us in worship. And I just invite you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you have questions, you wanna talk, or, or maybe you're not ready to like make a decision or anything today, but you're just curious, there are gonna be some men and women at the back at the respond banner, the far kind of right board. And there'll be people back there that we'd love to just kind of take you to coffee take you to lunch we'd love to to sit and talk and to answer any question we'd love to walk with you this is what we're here for and if you're not a follower of Jesus we just invite you to to come to him to, to give your life to him for those of you who do follow Jesus man we have hope because of the Christmas story not wishful wanting of something you're not sure if you're gonna get but we have hope because of grateful receiving what God wanted to and what he did give us Jesus. Uh, as we take communion today, we do this every week. We, we break the bread, we drink the cup, and I'm gonna invite us in just a minute to, to go to the tables and to grab a piece of bread and to grab a cup, and I want you to, 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 to share with the people that you came with. You don't have to do this if you're uncomfortable, but I encourage you. So often, your story, the work of God in your life just encourages and inspires other people, and so I wanna just invite you to, to share, to take communion with the people that you came with uh, Tell a a person or a story or an act in which God was helping you see and believe and walk with Jesus. Share a time, a story in your life of of when God just seemed to be near, when he was moving you. And so I think about a story like this just to kind of give you an example. This week, just kind of had a rough week, just kind of down. We just have these weeks every once in a while. Like, been living in fear, just fearful of life, fearful of a lot of things. And my friend Nathan, who's here this morning, he sends me this random email is what he says on Wednesday. He says, hey, you know, just wanted to send you this verse in Isaiah chapter 41. It says, hey, do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. And it's just like one of those moments. I don't know if you ever had a moment like that. I'm sure you have if you're following Jesus where God's timing just seems to be so perfect. And I just invite you to, to share with some of the people around you some, the pursuit of God, the way that he has brought you to Jesus, to be like Mary and Joseph at this moment where, where you behold him, where you love him. Let's pray, and we'll take communion.